Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Dave Demmer. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom Dixon, GP in Melbourne, and she's feeling a bit decrepit. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Jamie Byrne. I'm also a clinical psychologist, and I'm doing a quick age check just to make sure that I'm not the oldest at the table. I think you are. I think you are. <laughs> uh, Dave, you got two years on me. Are you 32? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we wow. stand. Oh, my uh, God. Someone sent me Botox. <laughs> Welcome to the Meet You podcast, where each episode we meet you, a fictional member of the LGBTQIA plus community who's struggling with their mental health. Sorry, Jamie. While, I, <laughs> while the three of us sit around and have a bit of a chat about what's going on for Q and how we would support Q in therapy and medically. Thanks for joining us. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to any First Nation listeners today. Sovereignty was never ceded. Hi, gang. Sorry, Jamie. Jamie's giving me the biggest daggers across the table right now. Jamie apparently can't see across the table. She needs her glasses. Oh, Oh my God. I'm going to go and have a lie down. Why did I think think the afternoon nap time? It's certainly not maturity. So it must be my looks. Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe I just thought that you were more mature. I play golf. It's golf. I think think that's it. That's traditionally maybe. I do play golf to make me feel young. The 50-year-olds are young in golf. Oh, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's not 50. I'm very very generous and I say to them, like, you know, people our age and they just say, oh, well, we like you. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're the closest. (laughs) Given the topic of the intro conversation, I wonder if anyone can guess the cue that we're about to meet. All right, let's do it. Hi, I'm Q, single 58-year-old gay man who is getting older. I'm feeling scared, alone and confused. Generally, life has been good to me. I grew up in Sydney, studied at university. I have a successful career and I've travelled extensively. I feel like I've seen the evolution of our community, the parties, the men, the sweaty chiselled bodies on the dance floor. Those memories still feel like yesterday. I feel fortunate to have lived the best years of um, the scene and have so many stories and experiences to share. But despite the memories, as I reflect on the future, I feel less enthusiastic. I'm worried about what life will be like as an older guy. I'm not willing to lose my independence, community, uh, and life I have been afforded. Maybe I completely blocked the thought of getting older because I was too busy living and was less preoccupied with thinking about the future. I'm now faced with the thoughts like, who will look after me if I'm not well? I mean, will I die a lonely old man? Will I suffer alone? Life in the gay world does not prepare you to answer these type of questions. I'm single and have a small circle of friends. Most of my friends range from 45 to 55 and live close by. And it's not something we talk about that often. But I know we're all scared of being lonely in old age. Oh, Q, this is breaking my heart. Oh. How are we feeling? I feel like the air just got sucked out of the room. God, like we've all laid in bed at l- late at night having a little existential moment wondering... Yeah. What happens when I'm, you know, yeah. heaven forbid, over 60? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's that question of like, 
am I allowed to like have a family? Am I allowed to have this kind of life that has been presented to me mm-hmm. that means that I won't be lonely because like what representation do we have of, mm-hmm. kind of old age for the queer community? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is such a common, dare I say, it's such a common experience, you know, for gay men. I mean, Q is not ironically, as lonely as he feels, Q is not alone in this experience that as he's coming towards this next stage of his life, as he's moving towards what sounds like retirement, um, there is certainly this really important question that he's asking of kind of what's next and how do I step into that? Uh, And it's not a surprise within, you know, the gay male community that as you do start to age, as you do start to become, you know, more mature in years, that when you're existing within what is a fairly youth-focused, dare I say it, a fairly youth-focused and and, um, a community that cherishes youth and applauds youth um, for the most part, that he's left questioning, well, what's next? Where am I going? Q would be of a certain age where... um, Like, they reflect on kind of they've seen their community evolve over time. Mm -hmm. And, God, a lot has happened in um, the number of years that Q's been around. Absolutely. And I think uh, we as a community aren't great at recognising that sometimes yeah. um, when we're of younger generations. I agree. Yeah. And I think we miss the opportunities as a gay male community. I think we miss the opportunities to be able to connect with those stories. I mean, Q said himself, I've got so many stories and experiences to share. And unfortunately, as a community, we don't step into wanting to know those things. Um, and as you were kind of alluding to, Tom, Q has been through, I'm sure, the hell of it. I mean, this guy has, you know, just based on his age, although it doesn't say it in the case, based on his age, he has lived through the AIDS epidemic. He has lived through, you know, a movement towards acceptance of, of homosexuality in society. He has moved through decriminalization of homosexuality in society. Like, this guy has some stories that we want to cherish in terms of our gay history. We talked in a previous episode about the fact that, like, in Queensland, where I grew up, homosexuality was only decriminalised in 1992. Yeah. And Q in 1992, like 30 years ago, yeah. would have been in his 20s or 30s. Yeah. Yep. That it was a mental illness until, yeah. you know, oh, the like, 1987. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Like the DSM, like, pathologised yeah. us mm-hmm. um, as, like, a homosexuality, yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah, main thing that I'm really picking up here with Q is this, um, is this sense of... Him growing old and that in the context of, of a gay community that celebrates youth and where does that leave Q? Um, let's have a bit of a chat about where that kind of comes from. Where does this cherishment of youth, where does this celebration of youth come from within the gay male community? I know there's lots of explanations and lots of ideas and, and you know, I think around this place of our community is often very sexualized um, and, you know, what's sexier than, you know, a youthful hunky, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts here? Well, I suppose, like, it's an interesting, like, uh, and it's somewhat um, exclusionary kind of practice that we engage in by just this youth focus that's hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. There's two, I suppose, um, ways that I conceptualise it. The first being that for a lot of people in the 80s and 90s when HIV kind of um, ravaged the community, we didn't know how to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this was a disease that was originally labelled as being gay-related immunodeficiency. And it was the mass media was essentially heralding that it was gays getting what they deserved. Um. And so one of the ways that we would try and protect ourselves would be by being as healthy as possible. Yeah. And so that's where youth kind of is often seen as being health because it's like generally younger people have less disease. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's also, it's where a lot of like the gym culture came from. Yeah. Mm. Like prior to kind of HIV, there wasn't nearly as much focus on like people having a six pack and being this beauty of Adonis type um, kind of representation of health. Uh, but it was like kind of in the 80s and 90s, it became much more common because it was a way of kind of indicating like on the dance floor that you're less likely to have the disease. And that's completely unfounded mm. because HIV doesn't discriminate Absolutely. against whether someone's got a six pack or not. Mm. But it was certainly something that was kind of cherished mm-hmm. in terms of like it could be a way that I could safely have sex with someone. Yeah. If you look healthy, then you are less likely to be unwell vis-a-vis. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how devastating. Absolutely. Like, even having this discussion right now, like mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable that, that you know, yeah. this has been the history of our community and, mm-hmm. and what our generations before us have gone through. And I think another, like the second point to why youth is so cherished and unfortunately um, like uh, representative in the community is because when we go through like our second um, puberty and second teenage life in our 20s or late teens as gay people and come to terms with our sexuality these days, it's generally the average age, we move into spaces where we can access other people within the community. And that's typically a club. Mm. Mm. And youth, unfortunately, other well, not unfortunately, but youth tend to be the people that go to the, the clubs and get their dance on and, you know, mm-hmm. dance around to Mariah. Oh, God, I'm showing my age. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, the oldest. Yeah, maybe I'm, no, I'm not. Um, but the point... Am I, <laughs> am I, am I the oldest? Am I the youngest? I'm 89. Okay. Let's move on. Thank you. <laughs> you look really good for 89. <laughs> I am divine. Um, but like uh, the point I'm making regarding the fact that essentially these spaces that we can access community mm. are often spaces that by their nature are going to be more focused on the youth. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have great institutions. So gyms and clubs at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Gyms and clubs. Bramble. Bramble, you know, get your tan on. Um, as speaking as a ginger, I would discourage <laughs> the use of um, sunbaking as a means of attracting men. <laughs> well, Q, can I say Q was probably in that generation who wasn't putting yeah. on SPF. SPF yeah. He was putting on coconut oil. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, smells great. I did that. Did you guys do that? It also <laughs> tastes great. Um, <laughs> But it's like we don't have those kind of older spaces where and we don't have community spaces as much anymore. Absolutely. And unfortunately, in today's age, we've got a, a lot of online spaces mm-hmm. that by their nature will be quite exclusionary to certain demographics. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're going to talk about it later, but like how do we kind of engage ourselves within community is really important here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just wonder like existentially why we might be avoiding these conversations is mm. that it's uncomfortable, right? And this is something that I am really aware of as like the big three things that, um, you know, just thinking about my teaching and my training of students and working with people is that we tend to avoid sex, suicide and death. I mean, Mm. I get the last two are somewhat related in some ways, but they're topics that feel taboo. Mm. And also, especially the sex and death, makes us go, oh, that's a bit icky because we have to think about it for ourselves as practitioners, as, Mm. you know, myself as a psychologist, because uh, here's the big news story of the day, I'm going to die. (laughs) 
Yep. And no, Jamie. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Not as soon as I am as the oldest person at the table, apparently. Well, yeah, women do live longer, so see you all. It feels confronting. So what's better? What's better than having to confront the big scary thing in the room? Oh, I just won't talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So when I'm faced with someone who um, is bringing these issues into the room, I need to make sure that I'm careful of my own stuff because this might, might be making me think about my own experience of ageing and take away from actually me being present um, to be there and listen to Q, which is what Q wants right now. I, I just hear so much like need for like and desire and want and just ah, need was the right word for connection. Mm-hmm. This guy, like you just, yeah, yeah con- and connection through sharing and mm-hmm. story and mm-hmm. community. And I think that uh, Q's getting to this age where people do start to, as you're talking about there, Jamie, think about your own mortality, think yeah. about, you know, how much time do I have left? And another point that kind of comes along with that for a lot of people sometimes is this idea of my legacy. Mm. Like what, nice. what am I going to leave behind? Like yeah. where, who's going to know my stories? Who's yeah. going to carry mm. on, yeah. you know, who's going to remember me? Uh, and that's kind of what you're tapping into there. And, and uh, particularly what Q is saying around, I have so many stories and experiences to share that I hear in that, that this guy wants to, this guy wants to start imparting his mm. legacy and, and who's there to hear that. And I think, you know, one of the other you know, points that really stands out here for me, that's kind of in line with that is, uh, you know, as Q kind of transitions out of work into mm. retirement, um, kind of what, what is going to be left for him? Mm. I think that's a really important question that, that he's like, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. And, you know, for, for many people, when they move into retirement, uh, they're surrounded by family, maybe children, grandchildren, uh, and that can bring them a really strong sense of purpose for some people. Uh, and maybe Q's recognising that that that's not there for him and he put a lot of time and effort into a really wonderful successful career and got a lot of worth out of that and and that probably potentially defines him like it does a lot of gay people and 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 a lot of uh non-gay people too uh but what's next yeah i think one of the points you're raising there like is that notion of representation in terms of like how do we know where we're going next um, like how do we know how to be an old gay person? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like yeah. I've never seen an old gay person. They don't exist. Like they're invisible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's this like question that like we also like we'll do it at various stages through our lives. Like when we're kind of coming into our teenage years, it's like, okay, next step is career. Then it's family. Mm-hmm. Then it's like grandchildren. And then it's like retirement and all those kind of things. Yep. Uh, we've all got like that heteronormative, like mm-hmm. this heteronormative kind of representation of what life looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And as queer people, we don't have a queer version of that for a lot of mm-hmm. stages of life. Yep. Or if we don't fulfill like, um, or don't want to fulfill like that more cis heteronormative mm-hmm. um, kind of phrasing, which is very accessible if people do want to do it. But it's just the fact that if that's not where we've ended up, how yeah. do we conceptualize ourselves within this next stage of life? Mm-hmm. And I am a big fan of an existential crisis and that's potentially where yeah. Q was at. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm hearing identity crisis yeah. here as yeah. well. Like who am I going to be once Ooh. I don't have work, once I don't find my value and my worth in, in you know, my work and now that I'm maybe, you know, he's saying he doesn't find it in the parties and the men and the dance floors anymore. Who the fuck am I after yeah. that? Yeah, and that's what I was just thinking. This is actually what I've written down because that's what in our childhood, you know, we have this, who am I going to be? Who am I going to be mm-hmm. when, when I grow, grow up? When you grow up. Yeah. When I grow up, what am I going to be, right? It's in the future. What am I going to be? Then we kind of hit some point and we go, um, we're like, what am, what is my purpose right now? Is, is mm-hmm. present. I'm mm-hmm. currently living my purpose. Yeah. It sounds like, 
for Q, it feels like he's starting to say, what was my purpose? And that's maybe something I'd be wanting to really talk to him about is, do we really reckon that's in the past? So helping him maybe, uh, you know, it's not just semantic. I'd be saying, how can we make sure that you still live in that purpose today? Yeah, right? Um, it's almost like like you're, you, we're saying here, you know, this question of, you know, who am I going to be when I grow up? He's almost asking, who am I going to be when I grow old? Yeah. 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 And I feel like we can get a bit caught up in the optimism of where the the sexually diverse and gender diverse community, um, where we're heading as a society in terms of acceptance. And that is amazing and wonderful. Um, And, you know, our generation, yes, all three of us are very close in age, ironically, um, that, you know, in our generation, hopefully this will be less of an issue by the time that, you know, we're... Um, in our 50s, 60s and beyond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I plan on living forever. Yeah, okay. Immortalised and (laughs) and carbonite, kryptonite or whatever it is. is He's Han Soloing it. Season (laughs) one of 88 seasons we're aiming for for Meet Q. So strap in, we're in for a long haul. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. We'll have our catheter bags. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah. (laughs) But the issue is that it's like, okay, so... How are we going to look after the generations that have come before? It's great that we're looking Mm -hmm. forward and we're really positive about the generations to come and it's wonderful. What are we doing? Are we looking back? And I think we also, like, within that, like, of looking forward, like, we may have, like, this kind of erasure of the um, generations that have come before us because we've not experienced them ourselves. Absolutely. And and so when we've kind of, when I see patients who are older, um, I like some of the things that have to run through my mind is that they've experienced homophobia to a degree that I've never been privileged to. Yeah. Because they've done the work that means that I can live in a society that is actually safe for me to live in. Absolutely. And openly live in. And I think it's something that we as a younger generation really need to say thank you yeah because it is so fundamentally yeah. amazing mm-hmm. what the gay liberation and like kind of world has done for us mm-hmm. such that i can be like wearing earrings right now yeah right. it's um it's interesting you say that like when, when i think about this idea of saying thank you within the lgbt community i think of something like pride and mardi gras was not that long ago and and obviously midsummer before that um and and i was actually asked uh what my thoughts are around pride a couple of weeks ago uh and one of one of the ways that I like to conceptualize it and understand it is I actually try to make it not about me. I try to use pride celebrations, pride march, midsummer, Mardi Gras, all that kind of stuff as an opportunity to first and foremost, thank the people who have come before me that, that allow me to be able to live the life that uh, I live yeah. now. Mm. And also to demonstrate to the generations that are going to come after me, like you have a home here, you mm. have a community. Yeah. All right, gang. So we've conceptualized what's going on here for Q. How might we help? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think community. Mm-hmm. Love it. You mm-hmm. know, but we've got to find ways of kind of helping Q access community. Yep. Because when we feel connection, we feel support and we feel like our experiences are validated. And we feel like if we don't know where we're going, we've got people around us to help us navigate that unknown mm-hmm. world. And I think this is something that has been on the radar of a lot of LGBT organizations is how do we support people within this kind of mm-hmm. transition uh, into old, their older years? Um, and I know in the kind of aged care sector, it's always been one that has been incredibly terrifying for people of the LGBT rainbow yeah. alphabet because it's just something that 
you don't want to have to go back in the closet. It's like being to, boarding school. Yeah. yeah. Like not only are aged care services on the whole not up to standard mm-hmm. um, for where we should really be valuing and respecting our older people just more generally, mm-hmm. but like to conceptualise it as being someone who's sex- sexuality um, minoritized means that you might be experiencing a whole lot of fear of homophobia mm. to enter those spaces mm. um, because they're people of your kind of generation who potentially mm. still carry the views of when exactly. they were in their 20s. Mm. Where that homophobia might still unfortunately exist. Reside, yeah. Mm. And it's it's one where um, kind of I know there are lots of organisations who are attempting and trying to do better in this space. And it's also, for example, I just want to give a shout out to Thorn Harbour who um, support a organization that kind of is called rainbow connection which is really um a volunteer-based uh, service that helps like people over 55 connect with community and connect with like kind of services that are appropriate for them and kind of support them in this kind of period which can be otherwise quite isolating mm-hmm. so there's like there's so much more that needs to be done in this space yes um yeah. and we as a community need to kind of listen more mm-hmm. and give people the space to tell stories Um, but it's also one where there are definitely community spaces available and kind of coming up, which is good. So one of the other points I wanted to make here is that I'm involved with the Melbourne Argonauts, which is a queer rowing club. And we've been around for 22 years. We've got members who kind of range in age from um, their late teens, early 20s to into their 50s and 60s. And something that is very much a focus of our club um, that we're trying to really empower is this notion of storytelling within the club because we otherwise lose that focus and we mm-hmm. just focus on maybe the 20-year-olds who are kind of joining the club and we uh, kind of don't have that sense of space where people can actually feel like they can connect with people of other generations mm-hmm. because it's such an important thing that within those spaces which aren't club focused, i.e. the club and mm-hmm. dance floor focused, sorry, um, that we kind of create a space where people can connect. Mm. And I think we need to like kind of be empowering these kind of organisations um, more and making sure that they're really well um, advertised. And there are many, many gay sporting clubs in Melbourne um, that kind of work within this space as well. Yeah. Jamie? Yeah, I mean... This can be Ooh, a bit I feel depressing. like this is, yeah, I can tell just from the way that you are. Yeah. So I'm a fairly existential kind of gal, um, and I'd be having some pretty uh, hefty conversations about death um, because I want to lean into the fact that probably Q, you know, you probably don't feel like this is just something you can bring up at brunch. Like, <laughs> you know, like a, a mimosa and death go together. Yeah, well, they certainly do. But what happens if you're having a sober breakfast? I've died a few times and I've had too many mimosas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bloody Marys are the ones that get me. Anyway, oh. Oh, oh, everyone drink safely, please. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. oh, bring back some alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> rough memories. But it, I'd absolutely would be having some conversations about death because let's look at the um, other side of the coin of death. It's about life. Yeah. So I'd actually, one of the first things I'd be getting Q to do is get a bit of paper, draw a line and at the left hand side, because we go left to right in society, in Western society, we would put birth. Yeah. At the right hand side, we'd put death. And I'd say, I want you to mark where you are on that line. And that's a really... 
that can be a really confronting exercise. I'm looking Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, a, like a deer in headlines. Right? <laughs> Dave, Dave suddenly like, has yeah, realised yeah. there's an end to that line that he thought he was going to live forever. But um, what are you going to do if I don't? That's right. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those incredible things, though, that in some ways it can be like, oh my gosh, I've already spent X amount of time. Like it's that transience that we um, experience. At the same time, we also get to go well, I've got a lot more left than I thought here. Like I thought that I was talking that it was all over, right? Because mm. I would be really, you know, what we were talking about before about the past tense, what was my purpose? I'd be going, what is your purpose mm. going to be? Which I think Dave was talking beautifully about. And how would I get someone to think about their purpose? I do this little thing again, a little bit morbid. I probably wouldn't do this at 8am in the morning, but by midday I'd be, I'd be going straight there with a the client. Then I'd be going, well... I want us to think about what you think your obituary is going to sound like. Mm. And I'd be really encouraging it often when we think about our own obituary. Yep. We think about our ideal obituary, like yeah. what we want. Like I'm wearing all black right now, so I'm dressed <laughs> for a funeral. Okay. Um, does this mean like we essentially hold our own funeral while we're alive? Uh, I can see you getting really excited, Tom, at this possibility. <laughs> it was a great episode of The Golden Girls um, to do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, your next birthday, right? <laughs> it's my funeral. Yeah. That's it. But we've kind of got this idealised idea of our obituary, what we want people to be saying. What, but also I think some uh, a second task here is I'd be going, what would the reality be? What would the real obituary sound like? Mm. And I think that actually gets people to really distill down into the meaning of what's important for them, whether that's like people might come up with something like, I was a caring person. And that for me as a psychologist, I go, okay, care. How are you experiencing care? How can we enhance care, both you to others as well as others to you? How are you experiencing that? Because I think some of Tom's points about the invisibility for older queer people, um, and in this case, older gay men, um, is really problematic. Yeah, I think, Jamie, what you're drawing on there is like what people value. Yeah. yeah, their yeah. values. Yeah. yeah, their ideal self. Yep. And Dave, like, I wonder whether, like, how do we kind of put that sense of value into the present when we are kind of facing that existential moment? Like, mm -hmm. it is tough. Uh, so if I was to draw on kind of a really therapeutic approach here, I'd be talking about acceptance and commitment therapy. I'd be talking about a strategy mm. within that called choice points mm. and choice points is being able to recognize that in a difficult, when you're, uh, when there's a difficult situation, you have a choice. You can move towards your values mm -hmm. in terms of the person mm -hmm. that you want to be and mm -hmm. the decision that is right for you in terms mm -hmm. of that person, your ideal self, mm -hmm. the acceptance mm -hmm. and commitment therapy talks about versus your actual self, which mm -hmm. is the person that you are, your mm -hmm. ideal self is the you that always lives by your values. Mm. Um, so in a difficult situation, there is a moment of being able to hopefully recognize that you have a choice to move towards your values. Mm. When you do that, that is generally going to be tougher than moving away from your values. Yeah. Cause when we move away from our values in a difficult situation, it lowers the anxiety in the moment. Sure. Avoidance. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's avoidance. Yeah. Um, whereas if we were to move towards our values, yes, it would be um, probably anxiety provoking in the short term or it would cause some difficulty. However, it means in the long term, we're living by our values and, and moving towards the person that we want to be. But I think it's one of these situations where like death in itself 
it sends through the hourglass, like we're all heading there. And so when yeah. we have this concept of how are we going to like envision our present, yeah. it allows us to be okay with like the eventualities. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And so something that helps me here and like a kind of form of philosophy um, and which always will like trigger into psychology is the notion of stoicism mm. and like being okay that like tomorrow I could die. Because like mm. say I walk out onto the road and accidentally get hit by a car. Mm. Touch wood. Touch wood mm. not. But also Tom's being- driving Dave home. Yeah. <laughs> Um, being okay with that means that it allows me to be free in the moment because I'm no longer concerned about, okay, what might happen tomorrow because tomorrow could be a beautiful day. It could be the last day of my life. Who who knows where our certainty lies? And so it actually might be both. Exactly. And so it's one of those moments where if I can be okay with that Mm. within myself, then Mm. it means I live every day. That's reflective of my values as well because I'm okay with the present. Dave, how would you help Q? Uh, yeah, look, I th- obviously drawing on from both of you what you've already said and, and highlighting also, Tom, what you've said around this idea of connection. Like that is really what is what Q is calling for here. Um, uh, I support clients to look on websites like meetup.com. I don't know if you, the two of you have ever come across Meetup. Uh, really fantastic website for- Are they related to Meet Q? Yes, right. QRST. So Meetup is a really fantastic website that's basically being built for individuals who right. want to do things and connect. So yeah. there, if you want to do something, there is a group of people on meetup.com doing it. You might want to scuba dive oh. while crocheting a you know blanket for your next door neighbour. There is a group or of your people. And yeah, there's a group of people who are doing that on Meetup right now. Jamie's looking for I'm a scuba diving group right now. <laughs> and the wonderful thing about Meetup, um, as well, by the way, I'm not paid by Meetup. This is a completely unendorsed promotion of them. Um, uh, is that it? Really, is a group of individuals coming together to do it. So everyone's in that same kind of place and frame of mind of seeking connection and seeking seeking a group experience. I think Jay, Jamie's googling it as we speak. Yeah, yeah. It's so cute. It I is love beautiful. This. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've spoken about connection. We've spoken about wanting to get Q, um, uh, you know, in groups of people. Something that's also really striking in, in Q's case for me here um, and something that I would really want to kind of play on in therapy with him is this sense of nostalgia that he kind of has about the olden days. Uh, and just the other night, my, my partner and I were, were sitting down to rewatch um, It's a Sin. Amazing. In the first episode, uh, there's this kind of montage in the first half hour where he's kind of, he's just gotten to London and he's experiencing, you know, lots of sex and lots of clubs. Um, and it kind you know, goes over, I don't know, six or 12 months in the space of like two minutes. And I turned to my partner and I went, there, nothing, there, there was nothing quite like a gay club before a smartphone came along. Like when gay clubs were the place to go and connect to, you know, during your gay youth, um, mm. they were fun, they were exciting, they were beautiful. I have really cherished memories myself of those experiences mm. early on in, you know, mm. my, my late teens and early 20s of, of, of the scene. As, I can't um, believe you remember them, Dave. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Like Commercial Road in Melbourne was oh, the yeah. place to be. Market. We, yeah, well, we'd start at Exchange first okay, yeah, and then as the night went on, we'd go to Market or we'd go so to Diva different. Bar or... Um, you know, DTs candy bar on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, like, I wouldn't, like, I know that he's saying he kind of misses that. And nostalgia is, I think, one of the most powerful emotions that we can experience. Um, and I would actually want to help him kind of connect to that and, and not see that necessarily as something 
that is gone and that he misses and that he longs for, but also being able to help Q to kind of change that perspective towards being able to still connect with that really lovely feeling of how nice those times were without also needing to always connect with and, you know, a sense of loss that they're not there anymore. Um, so that might be through photos. It might be through reflecting with friends. It might be through, you know, uh, journaling about mm. these really wonderful experiences that he had back then. And just making sure that we're using that nostalgia to uh, navigate then us forward um, yep. that uh, it's not what we have lost in the past exactly. with the nos- yep. like that you know that was in the past is more basking in the glory Absolutely. of our yeah. past yeah. It's like to pull- then move us forward it's like pulling out an old photo album I, I mean, used that was my like, I've uh, got these uh, the fondest memories of being with my grandmother and mm. like having her talk me through photo oh it almost makes me quite emotional talking about it you know of her flicking through and talking through the photo album and how special that was that even the memory of the memory of her nostalgia was yeah Yeah. okay final thoughts for Q Jamie yeah I I think that I um would really be encouraging Q to think about compassion here and it feels like there's some parts of himself that uh, he's feeling quite rejecting of at the moment and one part of that being the ageing um, process and I'd really want to encourage him to shine a light um, on those parts of himself that he would normally reject um, and I wonder if that was, you know, a positive thing. Um, what would that look like to embrace embrace his ageing? Yeah. Tom? I just want to reflect on history. Mm. I am a nerd at heart and it means that I love listening to stories and there are beautiful spaces that exist already where we share our stories of community. I'm thinking of the podcast Queer Stories, um, which is each episode is a different uh, kind of story from the community. Mm. And it's also like kind of acknowledging that we don't have enough spaces that these exist Mm -hmm. in as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so finding kind of a space for Q to like tell his story to both peers, but also of different generations, because it is incredibly valuable when I hear people who are older than me tell me what their life was like. Mm. And it's a privilege that I know that I really only have because I work in the job that I do, but it's something that I wish I could give everyone else as well because it's so incredible to be part of a community and to know that there have been people fighting for people like me for generations. And I just want to say on that note that if you're of a younger generation, respect and listen and hear Mm. the stories of your elders. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'd certainly be saying to Q, I'd, I'd want to kind of, put into context all of these experiences that he's having as part of kind of his narrative and his life journey and his story and that there is more to come. Mm. Uh, so as you were kind of playing on Jamie, this idea of um, kind of where he is now and not wanting to see it as kind of before now and after mm. now mm. and worried about what's to come, but seeing that mm. as an opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Thank you all very much for listening and thank you to Q for sharing your Thanks, story. Q. We Q. look forward to catching you all again next episode. Please like and subscribe us on your favourite podcast app or wherever you're listening to us. Um, every rating and review means that you get to connect other people to us as well and we absolutely yeah. love them. Uh, we're getting some lovely people men- uh, putting their ratings mm. and reviews for us and we yeah, cannot thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right, see you next time. Bye. Bye. We'll
BQ is brought to you by Q Psychology, Melbourne's leading private psychology practice for the LGBTQIAP community. Q is a fictional character. Any similarities to a specific person are coincidental and are due to Q representing common mental health difficulties experienced by members of the queer community. Any advice provided by the presenters is general in nature and should not replace specific and individualised mental health support that might be needed. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on 13 11 14. Rainbow Door is available on 1800 729 367, 10am to 5pm, 7 days a week. And Q Life is available on 1800 184 527, 3pm to midnight every day. Please visit the Meet Q website at www.meetqpodcast.com for further specific LGBTQIAP mental health resources. 